Hi there, and welcome to the Anita Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Anita Rombo, and this is the podcast for growth-oriented women to have authentic, real talk. Nothing is off the table here, but as an intuitive self-relationship coach, you'll find the content gravitates towards mindset, intentional action, spirituality, and all things wellness. So if you're ready to learn, laugh, show up, and glow up to be the best version of yourself, grab your favorite bevy, settle in, and we've got lots to chat about. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Anita Chat. Today, I am so delighted to welcome guest Michelle Dickinson to the chat. Michelle is a resilience coach and a workplace resilience strategist. She's also a TEDx speaker and a published author of a memoir entitled Breaking Into My Life. Michelle is on a mission to help other people preserve their emotional well-being so they don't hit burnout. Amen to that. Michelle, welcome to the chat. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for the invitation to be here. Oh, you're so welcome. Now, I'm not sure if I did your introduction any justice. So did you want to introduce yourself in your own words to my audience? I think you covered it. I mean, (laughs) I'm, I'm just so passionate about helping people and making sure that they preserve their mental health. And uh, yeah, you you got it. You nailed it. Now more than ever, we really need to place an emphasis or there's an increased emphasis on mental health. So uh, I think that this conversation, having you on the chat, is just really timely. There's a, a lot of people out there that are struggling with their mental health and well-being. And I think as change agents, you and I both feel very strongly about helping and supporting people through, through navigating all of those things. Absolutely. So, On that note, uh, a lot of the work that you do in terms of bringing awareness to mental health and and that being a passion of yours comes from your own experiences with mental health. Can you tell us a little bit more about your trifecta of mental health? Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, you know, my mom, I grew up with a mom who had bipolar disorder and that whole experience shaped my, my, I guess, relationship to brain health because I was caring for her for many years and uh, watched her suffer, watched her go in and out of treatment, um, had just a really different relationship, I think, to brain health than most people because it was so close to me. Um, And then as I got older, I was just sort of happy that I navigated and survived the experience of my mom because with someone who is hurting, typically they hurt other people. So my mom was very abusive mentally, emotionally physically even. Um, so I was just happy that I emerged from that in one piece, to be totally honest. And uh, and I'd always dealt with seasonal depression here in the Northeast. In the wintertime, it gets very cold and gray and there's a lack of sun and I struggle with that. But then uh, I found myself going through a divorce when I, for the first time, um, and being a, an adopted daughter to my mother, um, for the first time, experienced depression when I was formally diagnosed with depression and had to figure out how do I pull myself out of it? It's no longer looking at it over there. It was actually like I was feeling with the feelings and trying to figure that out. So so that and then the third lens I have on mental health is that I helped build uh, an employee resource group when I was at my former Fortune 500 company. We were really adamant to destigmatize mental health. Um, and mental illness in the workplace and create more compassion. So we did that through creating a community of people that could come together and support one another through an employee resource group. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Again, so much resonance with 
with my own background, um, growing up in a house with mental health and addictions as well, it was definitely very challenging. And I can understand and appreciate some of those experiences that you, you know, went through and, and how it's shaped you into who you are today, again, mm -hmm. as a passionate change agent in this area. So thank you for all that great work. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned your work with these Fortune 500 companies. One of the things I think I read about you, which, which intrigued me was that you created five steps to creating a culture of compassion. Can mm -hmm. you talk to me a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, there's a lot of steps, but I boiled it down to some uh, of the simpler ones that companies can be doing to create more compassion when it comes to mental illness. You know, the first thing that I always say is like, is the organization truly declaring that they will be a stigma-free organization? Do they have sort of a remit and then policies to back that? You know, I mean, that's really important. It sends a really loud message throughout the organization that they really do care and want inclusion for people of all abilities. So that's really important. Um, you know, the, there are other things people can do in organization leaders. Like I have had people on my own podcast. Uh, I had a leader on who had no shame in, in admitting that they struggled with anxiety. When you have a senior leader go first, that literally causes a ripple effect of approval that I just get to be who I am. And there's no shame if they can go first, I can follow. Um, that um, ERGs, like I mentioned, employee resources groups are amazing for pulling people together, like people together who might be struggling with a loved one at home and just want a little bit of support from their peers um, or someone who's struggling and wants to know, you know, uh, I'm in that space. So are there other members in the group who have navigated that? They represent hope. So you want to pull those people together to, so people can see what's possible in other people, especially their peers. So that's really powerful. Um, so those those are just a few. If you go to michellediddickinson.com, you can get all of them. But those are just a few little things. Um, platforms for sharing. I mean, that's where I gave my TED Talk and told the story of my mom. Uh, that opens doorways when when you have like a panel discussion, even, you know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Create a panel, have an event, host, have a lunch, have some coffee, bring people together who want to share the story, create that um, compassion and connection between people so they feel less alone. Totally great. And I agree with you. Stories are the things that bind us to one another, right? So sharing your own experiences you know, really helps other people feel connected. So I think that that uh, story is blind. And that's also part of even just this podcast, right? It's like, come share the story behind who you are, what you're doing, why you're doing it. And maybe that will empower other people to take similar action, to share their stories or to take actions in their workplaces. So building on that comment, I would like to understand the process. How does one go about establishing um, this type of a group or connecting um, these types of individuals in an organization, like bringing forward a movement within an organization if it doesn't already exist. Do you have any comments on that? Yeah, you know, bigger organizations already have affinity groups or ERGs. So I think you should talk to your leadership about the possibility of creating um, an, an ERG. Ours, when I was at my former company, started out as a physical disability group, and then it expanded to uh, include people dealing with mental health challenges as well. So there could be an umbrella that that can kind of tuck itself under and then just 
um, you could dovetail off of existing groups. But, you know, if your organization is already pro-affinity groups or ERGs, it, it, it's a really nice addition, especially now coming out of the pandemic with so many people experiencing mental health challenges for the first time and just feeling alone or um, like they could use a little bit of extra support, but they just don't know where to go to get it. You know, in your workplace is great because it really sends a message that the company is there and wants you to support one another as well as what they're providing. You know, one of the other things in the the culture of compassion before that I uh, I didn't mention was, you know, is your organization providing those robust resources and removing barriers to care? Because that's real important. You could say you're a stigma-free company, but if your employees can't access mental health support for two months, that's a problem. So um, anyway, so yeah, so that's that's a really important aspect too, is having connection and community can actually help people navigate the confusion of where do I go for care? Who did you go to? What's available in our area? Um, you know, stuff like that. So how did you go about making those changes at your workplace when you did that? Did that structure already exist so you could easily tap into it? Yeah. So I was one of the leaders. So I worked for a massive global employee um, organization that had many employee resource groups. We just built on what they already had. I had been leading another affinity group. And then when this one started to uh, come together, I had released my book and I was already doing talks throughout the company. So it made sense that I could be part of this and actually help lead more uh, of the different chapter activities, Mental Health Awareness Month, World Mental Health Day events, um, and really leverage my voice and my book to get that to get the word out. So I, I was really just a conduit and and one of the of the other leaders that helped to build a such a massive global ERG. Can you tell me a little bit more about resilience? Can we talk about resilience? What, how do you define it? What is it exactly? And yeah, you know, resilience is, um, you know, it, everybody has a different definition for it. For me, I look at when I was looking at the work I wanted to do, the difference I wanted to make in the world, I knew it was about getting ahead of mental health. It was really how do we get ahead of it? How do we preserve our well-being? Um, and and what does that look like? And so it all settled back down in the word resilience. And resilience to me is how do we equip ourselves so we're able to navigate the challenges of life and and be able to deal with them powerfully and overcome them and not um, have them deplete us. You know, that comes from having a, a glass that's full, that's that's full, that's half full, more more full than not. But that takes something. So in, in my work, it's all about preservation of mental health through resilience, through building the blocks of resilience in your life as a standard, as a day-to-day activity, not something that you just sort of, you know, go and get a crash course in. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle. So in terms of it being a lifestyle, do you have any strategies that we can use on a day-to-day basis or employ to stay resilient, avoid the burnout, like stay ahead of, of ourselves in this in this capacity. Yeah, you know, I see so many, it's it's so interesting because like I I coach right now I'm coaching, oh gosh, close to 50 uh clients. And it's a lot. And I and I but it's incredibly valuable and really learning what's going on in the world. And so one of the biggest things that I see in my practice is people are falling into their day 
They have no morning pause to take care of themselves and fill their own cup and just do something for themselves. They are they are hitting the alarm clock snooze until the last waking minute, then darting themselves out into the world. Their cortisol levels are through the roof. They're dealing with them, you know, stress of the day. And they've never taken a pause for themselves and really just checked in with themselves or gave themselves something before they went and served other people. So I would say one of the what that's one of the most common mistakes people make. And this one of the things you can do for yourself is just get get up 15 minutes earlier. So go to bed 15 minutes earlier. But get up 15 minutes earlier and give yourself a pause. Have a cup of coffee. Ease into the day. Practice a little gratitude. Do some prayer or meditation. But nourish yourself before you before you start your day. And it's a way of honoring ourselves and, and creating more peace and balance and grounding in our lives. That's beautiful. And that's also very aligned to a lot of the messages that, that come up in our podcast and the listenership as a soul strategist and success coach. I'm all about creating that mind-body-soul alignment. If we don't have that, then we're not healthy. We're not we're not well uh, as a whole person because we, we're not just our physical bodies. We're not just our work identities. We are all of it, right? So how do we bring all of that um, into our daily lives? I have another question for you. So you wrote a book, which is pretty remarkable. Congratulations. <laughs> um, tell me what made you want to write this book or talk to us about the writing process a little bit. Yeah, so more. it took me... Yeah, thanks for asking. It took me about four years to write the book. I had always thought in the back of my mind, and this is for all those people out there that have that little voice that says, I think I have a book. You do have a book and you need to pay attention and water that seed. Because from the very young age of probably 18, 19 years old, going through the experience with my mom, I said to myself, I think I want to write this story. And I didn't know what that would look like. I just knew in the back of my mind, I always wanted to. And then after I was nominated to give the TED Talk and the reaction that I got, like you were saying, through storytelling, storytelling has such a beautiful way of creating a pathway between people that wasn't there and access to talk about something. So all these people came out of the darkness and were willing to talk about mental health. And I said, well, wow, if I could do that in a 10 minute TED Talk. What can I do if I wrote my book? So it was after the TED Talk that I sat down and started to write the book. And it took me four very long years because it was it was a very cathartic writing process because I had to go through and really relive the experience of my mother and her illness and the experiences and the, the highs and the lows and the abuse and all of it. So um, it was a journey, incredibly cathartic, but yet a book that I always share is incredibly uplifting. It's a story of perseverance and triumph. So regardless of the challenges in my childhood, I was determined to create the future that I wanted for myself. So we all have something in our past that has shaped us, maybe scarred us a little bit. Um, but I want people to realize, you know, if I could get through that and create a life that I wanted, regardless of what you've been through, you could do the same. So I wanted the book to be a representation of hope and perseverance. That's beautiful. I'm into year two of my book writing journey. So, and there's actually two books in me. So one of them will be published this year, but to your point, it takes a long time. And that 
desire to write a book without even or feeling the calling to write a book uh, literally for me was born out of the need to want to share my story to give people the hope and inspiration that there is life that they can create, that everyone's capable and worthy and everything will work out. Um, and in the process of doing so, to your point, you know, it was just uh, so much work, really rewarding going back inside and doing some of the rework for yourself, right? Because that journey never really ends. And in the process of doing that, that's when I discovered coaching. And that's what catapulted me into this direction because I thought, I'm enjoying writing about this. And I know, you know, like I can bring all the different experiences that I've had in my life and my all of my education and training and psychology as, an, as a former therapist, all that type of stuff. I could stitch this together and really create impact by working one on one and getting up on a TED talk uh, for a TED talk. That's one of my goals one day as well. And this podcast is another testament to me, like sharing that message and inspiring hope and inspiration to other people. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, sharing that your story again, lots of similar parallels that I, I didn't pick up on the first time we chatted. So this is quite lovely. For anybody who is listening in, what would you like to leave them with in terms of resilience, what they can do, how they can be change agents, how they can support themselves or others through um, mental health, mental illness? Yeah, I mean, I think it all starts with us. You can't pour from an empty cup. So you know, if you you might have the best of intentions and think if I just keep going, I'll get it all done. And I'm here to tell you, you'll never get it all done. And you have to make the time for yourself because it doesn't it doesn't work that way. You know, stress shows up in our life and compounds over time. And if we're not regularly nourishing and taking care of our balance, we set ourselves up for disaster. So, uh, you know, I'm a I'm a big proponent of getting people to realize you have to tend the garden of your mind every day. You can't let it go. You can't ignore your well-being and think a spa day is going to resolve all of that compounded stress. So make it your business to fill your cup so you get to show up the best version of yourself in life for your family and for the the people that you work with. It's It should not be something that you get to when there's time. It's a non-negotiable. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Michelle, is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience? We're so grateful to have you here today. Yeah. I mean, I invite people to check out all of my free resilience tips on TikTok under Resilience Coach Michelle. I put out uh, content every day, which is going to be just a little snippet of resilience. Um, I think we have to do our part to feed our mind good information in a sea of noise. So keep yourself. Um, well, do what you need to to nourish your mind. And you can obviously consume my content there where you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always looking forward to connecting with people. Great. And I'll be sure to include all your contact information in the episode description. Thank you so much again, Michelle, for your excellent work, for making the time to come on the chat today and share some resilience tips with us. And to all the people tuning in, thanks so much. And I will see you next week. Bye for now. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Anita Chat Podcast. If you haven't taken a minute to leave a review, I would absolutely love to hear from you. All you need to do is to search for the show, click your star rating, and type in a few words. Also, if there's a specific topic you'd like to see covered in this podcast, if you'd like me to be your coach, or if you want to just chat, feel free to send me an email or shoot me a message through my IG, which you'll find in the show notes. 
The show notes will also contain any links to the freebies that were referenced in this episode. Until next time, friends, it's been great chatting with you. Thank you.